Hey guys, my name is Nicole Escobar and I am your host. I am also the director of Trees of Hope, which is a nonprofit in South Florida that exists to train, educate, and equip parents on how to protect the children in their life from being sexually abused. We also offer survivor-led healing support groups for victims of sexual abuse. We want to welcome you because this is our podcast. We hope it encourages you. We hope it inspires you. And we hope you leave here knowing that hope is real, your story matters, and that you are more than just a hashtag. So let's get to our next episode. Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. I am your host, Nicole, and today I am joined with Holly Caratanudo from the Victim Services in Palm Beach. Hey Holly, how are you doing today? I am great. I am ready to send my kids back to school. So if you hear somebody screaming in the background, they're, they're perfectly fine. We're just virtual learning over here. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm so happy to have you on today. Um, this episode is actually a special episode, although it's coming out um, on the same time that we usually publish our episodes. But we wanted to talk about the movie Cuties that just came out on Netflix. Um, this movie just shocked me in so many ways. I was floored at the movie itself, um, but I was also, I, I watched it. But I thought, man, I got to watch this movie because one, if I get some pushback, I want to be able to defend my stance and not just seem like somebody who's overreacting about the over-sexualization of children. But also, what could I take away from this? Like, what could we as parents, we as prevention educators take away from this movie as opposed to just simply looking at it as, it's a overly sexualized movie, but go, hmm, how can we use this as a prevention tool to help parents understand that their involvement and boundaries are so important in order to stop sexual abuse? Um, but before I get into that, I know you mentioned to me that there was a case recently of somebody who was caught making child pornography. That's kind of a big deal. Can you talk more about that with me? Yeah, and it again involves Netflix, and I won't mention the the person's name, like just, you know, it is still an allegation, but it really, um, it had me thinking. So if you've seen the Netflix show Cheer, I'm a cheer mom, I cheered my whole life, now I have a cheer daughter, and so we like were obsessed with it. We watched this cheer docu-series, and we were really into it, and one of the characters, you just like fall in love with this character, um, you know, had one of those lives that we kind of have talked about a lot, Nicole, where his... Um, father was absent, his mother passed away, and another family took him in, and he's kind of had this Cinderella story, and it came out, there was a civil lawsuit first with some young boys accusing him of sexual abuse, and and I was talking to some people about it, and they're like, well, why would they do a civil lawsuit? And I'm like, well, sometimes they do those civil lawsuits first to put some pressure on the authorities, and then um, I think either last night or this morning, I read that he was actually um, arrested for producing child pornography, and I think if, if you haven't spoken to your children about people asking them for pictures online or videos online, do not delay because if they have a phone, if they have any social media, even if it's private, they're going to have somebody reaching out to them asking for explicit images. And we don't, Child Rescue Coalition is one of the biggest fighters in um, these images and they call it 
child sexual abuse material instead of calling it porn because it's not porn. It's child sexual abuse material. This is abusive material. If it's someone under the age of 18, it's abusive. And so please talk to your kids about this. And again, it's not the guy who's creepy driving around your town in the white van. It's the friendly person who makes themselves comfortable with your family, who you think, wow, they're such a great person. You let your kids hang out with them. We really cannot trust people with full access to our children because they will take advantage of anyone who they can get their hands on. And you have to have those open conversations about any type of pictures or videos being sent because it's going to happen. And if you're not talking to them about it, someone else will, and they'll normalize it and they'll make them think that they're special. And this is just between the two of them. And it's a great thing. And your kid will have no idea that they're being taken advantage of. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we do at Trees of Hope is teach prevention workshops. And I know we've talked about this on this podcast numerous times, but if you are not talking to your child about body safety, body empowerment, the anatomical names of their body parts, trust me, somebody else will take, take that opportunity and will teach them the, basically the disgusting parts of what those things are. Um, I watched a documentary. It was very short. It was from a company called, an organization called Bark that basically, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. follow basically a woman who is a producer in this or she works with them. She dressed and acted like a 15 year old and went online, created a profile and went online and wanted to see how many sexual predators or people came to her talking sexually. She got thousands within the first couple of minutes. Um, She met with many of those guys, um, sat there, and many of them were like, just let's go, let's go to the bed, let's go to the room, let's go to the hotel room, let's go, let's go. And then they would walk up with the camera and be like, do you know you're you're here talking to a 15 year old? Did you know? So they'll basically, you know, bust them right then and there. And you should see all of their faces. They're just like in total shock. Some of them are totally disgusting, super gross. What she's talking about, like in the gross van, but then some of them were good looking. Like one, I remember being like a really good looking, tall, looked like a model football player. And I was like, no, 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 no. And he was there meeting with what he thought was a 15 year old. He, he said in his text message, the younger, the better. Like, I know you're 15. She said, you know, I'm 15. And he said, yes. And he went to go have sex with her. So there is no excuses for their behavior. Um, And it's just so important, parents. We cannot stress this enough. If children have cell phones, they are automatically vulnerable. If they have access to internet, they're automatically vulnerable. And it's your responsibility to protect them. It's your responsibility to teach them how to protect themselves in those types of situations. And I mean, this guy, he sexually abused also, right? Not just made child pornography. He right. Was, I think he was only arrested on the child pornography charges, probably because that's the evidence that they have right now. But I think the federal lawsuit was alleging sexual abuse. So, I mean, so we've got 
contact form and non-contact form of sexual abuse, which is super important for parents to understand that just because images are out there or whatever was downloaded and someone's looking at it, your child was sexually abused. Right. Okay, so let's get into the movie Cuties. I know it's been all of the rage. I mean, we talked about it, you and I, a little bit before we started recording that we, it could be a PR stunt. It's just like nonstop everywhere you turn. Um, if it was a PR start stunt, it was pretty smart, honestly, because I watched it. I would never have watched it. And first, I just want to say, um, it's almost like saying I, I watched child porn. Like if that's how it feels. But I am in this realm. This is my profession. And I don't ever want to be somebody who comments on something without knowledge about it. And I don't want to take other people's opinions and or, you know, the thoughts and put it and make them my own. So that's why I watched it. Actually, my husband recommended that I watched it because he's like, if, you know, we're, if we are going to push back, we have to, we have to know what we're talking about. Um, so he didn't watch it, but I did give him like a full breakdown. He, he doesn't, no men should watch that movie. But um, first of all, I thought it was a very poorly written story. Um, I felt like there was very use, useless characters, confusing plot, um, and all around just odd story. I do, did hear this producer's after conversation about it, why you know she created this. And she's, she said some things that like basically to create empowerment or whatever. Um, I think you, you can, the whole story could have been the story without the shots that just went right into the girl's butts, the girl's breasts, the girl's, you know, private parts numerous times when they would twerk went right into their butt. So it really on a technical level, like a film filmography level, it was poorly done. Whoever did it, I mean, I, I definitely do question their their motive on that. And this is um, exactly what you and I were just saying about empowerment. Like we were having this discussion about how we just wish that empowerment didn't have to be sexualized. Right. Like we are all like, for empowering our young girls. They need it. They're suffering. They're, you know, they need that empowerment. They need to have self-concept know what healthy relationships are, but why do we have to equate empowerment with sexualization? And it happens a lot. And it's just and like, do think where does that come from? It's pop culture. Yeah, it, ha- it is. We were, we were also discussing about like, you know, our parents allowed us to watch at the time, which was super edgy Melrose place, 90210. <laughs> These shows were all, I mean, I remember Luke and Luke was with Brenda and what's her name? Um, Kelly. Yeah. And I remember my parents telling me like, they're, he's, he's cheating on his girlfriend. And, and it was like, so in my mind, as I grew up, that was cool. I never cheated on anybody, but it also was like, well, that's a part of life. And I'm not saying like, you know, it's, it definitely comes back to parenting, proper parenting, proper parent involvement, proper um, teaching children at an early age, boundaries, healthy boundaries, self-respect, identity, talking to them about their identity. As many of our listeners know, I'm a Christian. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I became a Christian later. Um, but teaching a child, when a person knows their identity, they won't need to find it in anything other than Christ and God alone. So I'm not a mother first. I am a follower of Christ. 
I'm second, I'm a wife, then I'm a mother. But if I try to find my identity in any of those other things, I will always, they will always fall short. I will always be disappointed. I will always be trying and searching and trying to get the acceptance and approval from those things. So that's why I think it's very important that if you, if a child doesn't have a relationship with God, they understand those foundational things, um, which is that they are brave, that they are strong, that they do have the power from within to be um, good people and to act wise and to make good decisions. And like, I'll give you an example. I have this young lady who's, she was in my wedding. She was my flower girl. I, I go to her house often because her parents are my best friends. And um, she, when I'm at her house, she's always with a group of girls. And sometimes she'll act like a little brat. And I'll run over to her and I'll say, you are the popular one. You're the leader. Don't talk like that. When we are telling you guys to come in, come in. They're going to follow you. So the more we have those conversations, and I'm not trying to be like a jerk about it, but I try to tell her, hey, check yourself. She it's she's when she heard that she's a leader she's like oh yeah I'm a leader but as long as I make it in the right way not like go out there and be a brat to everyone and like boss them around I you know she understood that like hey encourage everyone to come inside we're telling everyone to eat now you say it you go out there and tell them oh come on guys let's go eat because they're gonna listen to you they like you I'm the adult they don't care about me yeah when I talk to Um, kids and, and there's like a bully in the group and things and kids will say to me like, well, I'm not going to be their friend or I don't like them. And I'm like, I hear you. I understand that they're mean to you. I understand they're disrespectful. I bet you that they are missing something in their life. I bet you they're missing that sense of love. And if our kids don't have a sense of love, you know, I'm friends. And I think, you know, Callie, she's a um, human trafficking survivor. And she made this statement the other day to me that, um, we punish young girls when they go looking for love outside of the home, but we forget that if they're not getting it in the home, of course, they're going to go look looking for love. They they're looking for something that they're missing. And I think when we think about our young people who go out and get into these situations, you and I have talked about like our own experiences of what we were looking for when we were younger, we have to, instead of punishing them, identify what they're missing in their life and really try and build that up for them. Because I think so many of our young people, you know, if they don't have that support at home, if they're not getting, it might not even be that they have bad parents. If their parents don't have that unconditional love and are maybe expecting something from them that they're not getting, they go looking for it in all the wrong places. And we need baseline as kids to feel love. Maybe they're getting that from their, their spirituality and their religion that God loves them no matter what. When kids mm-hmm. feel that and believe that, that's a strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they're getting that from their parents too, but we, we know that just a lot of kids aren't. And so they just start looking for it in all the wrong places. And when they see a movie like this and see this kind of documentary or not documentary movie, they think, well, maybe I can do that too. Right. Right. And I think you know, there's a lot in here. There's a lot to be said about this movie. I think when we just take a movie and we go, it's over-sexualizing children, get it off the, yes, this movie should be taken down a hundred percent. But I think from a prevention standpoint and from a, um, 
an awareness standpoint, I think we can use it in two ways. We can bring awareness to what people, how people are really viewing it and say, Hey, we're not overreacting. And also give you, give some people some things that they can take away without watching the movie. So that's actually what I'd love to do really quick is read a review and just maybe you tell me what you think if we're overreacting, Holly. Okay. So Thank you to Netflix and Filmmaker for this raw, real, unfiltered film. It is a dramatic and compassionate, exhilarating film that caught my attention in the first 10 minutes into the film. With scenes of beautiful young girls dancing in the laundry room. Wow, amazing. And the last dance. Wow, bravo. Very, very nicely raw and uncut. Definitely got me excited multiple times throughout this film. We need more beautiful, realistic films like this in today's society. All the haters are just upset because they don't understand or they have a very phobic or they are very phobic to any idea of such nature and need to crawl back into their caves. So do you see why we're so passionate about this movie and saying, whoa, you, you, you didn't need to go there. Right. It's like this review, you know, when you were talking to me before we started filming about, cause I was like, Oh, I haven't seen it yet. And you were kind of describing like the storyline to me. That was, I have not heard any of that from anyone. Like you actually giving me some of like the storyline and this review is all about the girls and dancing. And which is when you told me about what the movie is actually about, that's like, and you were saying like they could have done the film without doing all of that explicit imaging, but this person's only reviewing the explicit images. Right. So actually, let me just tell people if to not watch it. Let me just briefly tell you what it's about. So the movie is about a young Muslim girl who lives in a home where, um, and side note, don't even know where they were filming. I don't know if they were in America or, or France or whatever. I had to go read Wikipedia to find out where it was. Um, basically, this young girl comes into a home and they just move into a home. The dad is not there. The mom and lives with many people in the house. When the movie starts, you can tell that the girl is secluded. She's not very, um, she has no friends. She basically goes to the Muslim prayers with her mom, with all older ladies. And in that prayer, the moms and the women say to her, you know, you need to be a woman of good character. You need to be a respectful woman. You need to follow God, follow your husband basically honor and your body is used to honor God and your husband. So basically when she's walking out, she says her mom, her grandma or this older lady walks up to her and goes, you know, you're going to be a good girl. Right. And she's like, yeah. Um, And she leaves there and she bumps into these girls who are dancing provocatively. So the minute she sees that she's obviously enticed it's I mean it's like they're but at that stage they're not dancing that bad they're just the only thing that got threw me off was they're wearing like really low cut shirts where I think this took a turn was this young girl goes back to her house and she asks where her dad is the mom says oh I don't know he's on a trip then she says um is he coming home and she she said you know whenever he feels like it so she was like okay whatever so she goes into another room Um, She walks into a room that has the door shut. The mom screams at her and says, do not ever go into that room again, slams the door, pushes her out. So she knows that room is never allowed to be entered. 
she hides underneath the bed and the mom gets a phone call and the mom starts talking to a woman in English, by the way, um, which they say it's in a French movie and there. It's the, um, they use voiceovers. So they had really great accents, but um, English accents. But she basically was saying to this person that the husband took a second wife mm-hmm. and she was showing signs of that she was not really happy about it. Um, so she hangs up the phone and her sister walks in and says to her or her aunt says to her, do not embarrass yourself. I don't want to be, I don't want to see you criticized amongst in the streets. Call her back and do what's right. So she calls the lady back and she says, I'm so happy. My husband took a second wife. I hope they fall in love. I hope they have many children. I hope they um, are blessed. I hope God's favor upon them and blah, blah, blah. While that's all happening, the young girl is underneath the bed crying her eyes out. So her father is a polygamist. And what I found out later is that bedroom was created for them, their new wives, their new family to move into. Mm. So my issue with this movie is number one is there's so many secrets in this family that of course that child is going to want to find another life and do things that are secretive because they've been taught that at home. And so she obviously, when she's at prayer, her mom's at prayer, that's when she's watching the, the, um, the videos that are basically stripper videos, but with music. I mean, honestly, it looked like a Cardi B video and it looked like the new WAP video. Um, to be honest, it was so like, verbatim for what I saw on that video and basically she gets enticed she's like okay now she goes to school and the first day of school they pick on her so bad they throw her books they pull her hair they throw everything well of course she's gonna want to be like them they're bullying her and she has no identity so nobody has ever told her who she is so of course when they get her into their crew or whatever um, they start defining and telling her who she is. And now she's a part of a team. She's a part of a group. She has friends and everybody wants friends. Everybody wants to be included. Um, so I, I see uh, there was like, you know, then they, there's a team out there that's like the best dance crew. And so that's the crew that ends up doing the very seductive dance move where they end up showing they pull down their bras and show their breasts. Now, these are 11-year-olds. Um, there's several things that happen throughout the whole movie where they're chatting with boys, they go to a school, they bump into a boy at um, a field or a, a park or whatever, and every time the boy or the person says to them, get out of here, you're just a kid, you're just a child. And there was one part on the video where, or the movie where the girl is talking through to a boy on chat and she's acting like she's like 15 years old and her friend who's jealous of her turns on the video and he sees that she's 11 and he's like, ew, disgusting. What are you trying to make me do? Be a pedophile? And he hangs up. So I thought it was really, it was irony because it was like, (laughs) the more you talk about it, I'm like, you know, the storyline doesn't sound that far-fetched, right? Like we know that especially in some of, you know, areas of of even just in our counties that this type of stuff is happening with these young girls and not having that like structure at home. 
And again, you know, how often and I tell parents this all the time, your kids know exactly what's going on in your life. Like they know, they hear it, they hear your whispers, they know what's happening and it's affecting them. And if you're not having open and honest conversations with them, they're going to go look for it somewhere else. It's almost like I was like, man, in my head, I'm thinking Nicole should remake this movie <laughs> and make it appropriate because we know that this is how kids get trapped into sexual abuse. And this is how kids get taken advantage of because they are so shut out in their family. Secrets are happening and they're just looking for a, a relationship. Girls, especially they grow through relationships, healthy relationships. And if they're not having healthy relationships, they're going to grow through unhealthy relationships. So like your whole description of this movie is completely different than what I've been hearing about, seeing. It's like, there's so much focus on this sexualized dancing that if they hadn't had that in the movie, it sounds like this could have actually been a st story to talk about how to prevent sexual abuse and how to Correct. empower our girls. Yeah. And that's where I'm a little upset is like, don't, that's where, that's where I want to go with this episode though, is this is, this will be a missed opportunity. If parents just look at that and go, okay, you know, over-sexualization, but there's so much here. There is just so much here. Um, so that's actually something I would love to do is let's give you parents or adults in general, just some takeaways from this movie that we could use to start the conversation in our lives with our children. So the first one is empower children and teens to use their words. One of the things about this movie was this girl was shamed for being a girl. She was not allowed to speak up because she's a child. She and a woman. And I noticed it generationally where her mom wasn't able to, her sister or her aunt wasn't because the older lady who was the oldest, oldest lady or whatever, she it was basically, she looked down on everyone and everyone shut up and then followed what she said. And then from there. So we need to teach children that use your words, your voice matters, you matter, what you think and feel matters. And it's real. Like what you're thinking about. Sometimes we say, Oh, that's just kids thoughts or you don't understand. It's real. It matters. Listen to them when they're expressing whatever that feeling is like we need to hear them because Again, if you don't listen, someone else is going to. Absolutely. And you don't want that someone else to be what captivates their heart. Um, number two is no means no. No one, not even adult, can force a child to use their body in a way that they don't want to use it. So if Uncle Bob says, hey, I want you to kiss me on my lips, if a child doesn't want to, they don't have to. And you as a parent, don't force them to do it. Um, this happened several times in the movie. Uh, you know, she was forced to do something she didn't want to do with her body as in hugging and different things like that. Um, no means no. And it's okay to tell your kid that they can say that, um, you know, obviously they need to do their homework. So no, doesn't mean no for that. And be very clear. This is about body safety. Uh, number three is children and teens need to understand that their body belongs to them. They are the boss of their bodies. No one can tell them what to do with their bodies, especially their private parts. Uh, the next one is encourage the proper names of body parts. So every child should know the difference between a man's body and a woman's body by the age of five. These are conversations that you need to have. You, you, if you have an older boy in the house or if you have a, a 
boy, girl, um, child, whatever the dynamic is in your home, make sure they understand the differences, the anatomical names for their body parts, and never use cute names for any part that is covered under a bathing suit. Um, I know growing up, my parents always, you know, called my butt ghoulie and my front, my vagina was, you know, cookie or something cute like that. You never want to use those types of words for um, private parts. The next one is there should be no secrets between adults and children. So the main thing in this movie was the secret of the father, the secret room. One of the scenes, they break, the, the girl in the cuties crew, she's like the leader of the pack. She breaks into the house. They all are playing together and they end up breaking into this room. And she goes, whose room is this? And the little girl, the main character is like, I have no idea. And she's like, how do you live here? And you have no idea whose room this is. And I mean, these are the things I was thinking at that moment as well. And I'm like, wow. So when you have secrets like that, you're basically teaching your children. It's okay to be quiet about things. It's okay to hush about things. It's okay to hide things. Um, but surprises are fun. And you got to teach your children the difference between the two. That surprises are, you know, we want to, we want to, uh, bake mommy a cake so we don't want to tell her about the cake before she gets home we want to surprise her with it because that's exciting and fun um the next one is show interest in a child's day-to-day -day life so when a mental health counselor or psychiatrist was asked what is the number one thing that you would do to prevent child sexual abuse family dinners why Family dinners are so important. You sit down, you look each other in the eyes, you talk about their day, you let them talk about new things. You let your children share about their life, their friend group, what's going on in their life. Um, and listen, so you turn off TVs, you turn off electronics, you don't allow that to be a place where those come in. And one good place too, and I always tell parents is because they're like, oh, you know, we're so busy, we're running from one activity to the next. Yeah. I'm like, what do your kids do in the car? Don't let them have electronics, have that conversation because sometimes when they're like distracted and, and they're, you're not looking at them. So like they're sitting in the back and they don't feel like they're under the microscope and they can kind of just start telling you about their life. Like don't let them shut down on you, you know, keep that conversation happening. I'm a big believer in like car rides. You know, when we used to ride to school, we'd always like talk about, you know, what are you going to do today? And then on the way home, what did you do today? Did anything good happen? Anything bad happen? What made you laugh? Um, you know, sometimes we have that, we just say like, what happened today? And the kid's like, nothing. So like, I always say, what made you laugh? Did anything make you sad? Like kind of touching on emotions to see if they'll give me like a specific story that happened. Yeah. Or, um, I always tell parents if, if sad, it doesn't work. How about uncomfortable? Did something mm -hmm. make you uncomfortable today? Cause they may go like, well, it didn't make me sad. You know, if like I think about my story of sexual abuse, it didn't make me sad in the moment, but it absolutely made me feel so uncomfortable. Um, and which leads me to my next one, which is familiar self, familiarize yourself with key people in your children's life. We have a saying here at Trees of Hope. We say it all the time at all of our prevention workshops. Check your circle. Check your child's circle. That is who are your who, who are the people that your children are hanging out with on a consistent basis? Who are the stragglers that come in and out of the group? What are they like? What are, what are their, what is their home life like? What are their parents like? And also familiarize yourself with their parents. 
Um, I would also tag on to that, that no sleepovers. That's just something that we recommend. Um, obviously, that's up to you, but it's sleepovers are a doorway for sexual abuse. No matter how much you trust the other person's parent, you don't know who's sleeping there. You don't know, you know, the brother, the sister, whatever the situation is. Um, the next one is talk about media openly. So what apps are your kid, kids using? What apps are they not using? What apps are they telling you they're not using? What apps are they hiding from you? Um, children can hide apps with other apps. There's so many, calculator percent, um, audio manager. These are apps that hide apps. So if you were a parent and you said no TikTok, no uh, Snapchat, no Instagram, whatever, make sure that they don't have those two apps because those apps can be hidden inside there. Also, if you have um, follow your child on all their social media, make sure that you are befriending anybody that they talk with consistently. Also, go through their uh, following, who they follow. See who they're following. Why are they following, you know, a guy in New York? Or why, are, why is a guy in New York following them? And if they're 18 or below the age of 18, every account needs to be private, no matter what. Um, that's it. And if they, if your child gets upset about that, um, they can pay their own cell phone bill. Like you're paying their cell phone up until the age of 18. You're probably paying their car payment, their car insurance. So as long as you're making payments on their, their behalf for anything that's happening in their life, you can make those decisions. Um, that's boundaries and that's teaching them rules and, and guarding them which leads me to my other one, which is teach children about having boundaries. So outlining clear boundaries for your child, including rules, bedtime, screen time limits, daily routine. This allows a child to know what is expected of them. They are then able to predict what will happen in their life every day, reducing anxiety and allowing them to thrive. Healthy boundaries help protect them and keep them safe. And you as the parent needs to be an advocate of that and teaching them and saying those words. Listen, these boundaries are in place to help you not harm you. My dad used to say that to me all the time. He would say, you look at a rule and you despise it. But one day you're going to look at this rule and thank me for it. And he is absolutely right. I look back now and think he would never let me sleep over at my a friend's house. And that was because, you know, they weren't good friends. <laughs> and trust me, if I slept there, I would have gotten to a lot of mischief. And so I look back now and I think, wow, my dad, my family, that boundary protected me in ways that I wasn't able to at the time because I was so naive and I was so young and just, just didn't know the, the harms of the world around me, even though I had already been sexually abused. Um, the last two are be available and willing to, to listen and talk. So this is a huge one for me. Don't let religious or cultural norms make specific conversation uncomfortable or avoided altogether. The main thing in this movie was the religious, uh, um, just pressures that were put on them of being a submissive wife of being this honoring um, wife, despite the fact that the husband has two wives or being honoring to God, it kept secrets. Um, I know a lot of people say in Spanish cultures, they don't talk about sex. Well, I would say I'm Italian in Italian cultures. They don't talk about sex in, in Chinese cultures. And, I, and my two closest friends growing up were Indian. They didn't talk about sex there. So I think it's just like a normal thing 
that a lot of cultures do not want to talk about sex. So it's important that parents have a conversation. They don't let the society or culture or whatever their, their people group or their family traditions are, keep them from talking about it. Um, the reason why in my family, I didn't feel comfortable talking to my parents about anything that I had experienced was because my mom lost her virginity when she married my dad. It was very much like she grew up in a Christian science home. It was very religious and strict. She went to an all girls school. Um, she was taught that you don't talk about those things. You don't talk about if you got your period, you don't talk about breast development. You don't talk about your body changing shape. So when I started to show that I was a woman, I started wearing baggy shirts. Like I was wearing Nirvana shirts that were like 10 sizes too big for me. I literally looked like Kurt Cobain, <laughs> you know? I mean, I was trying so bad to eliminate what my parents weren't willing to talk about. And then when my dad saw that I was going down a slippery slope, he stepped in and had the conversation with me about my body. He had a conversation with me about sex. And looking back on it now, it was not appropriate for him, but he needed... It was not appropriate for my dad. It should have been my mom, but it, he, it needed to be done. And he knew my mom wasn't mature enough to do it. So I, I just, that's the biggest thing I saw in this movie was the mom was not able to mother properly or parent properly because of what her culture said she should not do and shouldn't yeah. be. I think though with dads, sometimes it's, it's kind of, good if dads are able to have that conversation with their daughters that you know there's going to be men who come into your life that disrespect your body and I don't want you to have that experience and I want you to know that you are worth more than anything like there's research that shows that a father's influence on their daughter has long-lasting impacts in their relationship choices later in life like even the girl in the movie as you're talking I'm thinking about how the message to this daughter was that the man has the power and control in the marriage and the wife just has to be submissive and do whatever they say. And so when she goes out and chooses partners later in life, subconsciously, she's probably going to look for someone who has power over her. And, you know, it's why domestic violence, children that live in domestic violence situations have such poor outcomes in their later life. If that's never addressed because they, they tend to subconsciously or unconsciously seek out relationships that kind of mirror that image of like power and control. So, you know, as much as it might've been an uncomfortable conversation with your dad and it probably would have been more appropriate coming from your mom, you probably got a lot out of that conversation that you don't even realize that you're, and you were talking about how your dad wanted you to be proud of your body and take care of yourself. And that kind of, you know, did give you some empowerment. And we need to kind of tell dads to make sure that they do that with their daughters and, and have that relationship that they model positive male respect for women to their daughters. Yeah, I, I love that. I actually never really saw it in that worldview. Um, I always saw it as like my mom should have had that girl to girl conversation with me. But now thinking back on it, um, my dad's words, I remember every moment of that conversation. And he did do things just like you said. Um, it was like, you know, you're beautiful just as you are. You don't need a man. Like it was very empowering. 
And I talk about it all the time now, but I always talked about it in almost like a negative light as if my dad shouldn't have done that. But you're right. That's actually probably better that he did. Yeah. Because it's so true. Like my, like I I mentioned earlier, I have this uh, guy best friend and his wife is also my best friend. I always tell him with his girls, like, got to have that. You got to be the one to have that conversation. Meanwhile, I'm over here saying my dad shouldn't have done it. (laughs) Because I see how they attach to him and I see the power he has. Like his wife will say something to his little girls and they'll be like, whatever. And then when he says it, they're like, okay. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, it's a clear, like, respect thing. Okay, so the last one that we want to just, the last tip for prevention is to reassure your children they will not get in trouble if they talk to you about things that are going on in their life. Um, One of the things that is just so important that you have to instill in your child is that you would rather hear from them first. The, the situation, no matter how bad the situation is, no matter what they did, no matter what happened to them, they will never get in trouble, that you will be a safe place, that you will um, be there for them, that you will support them. I think if my parents had that conversation with me of like, we will believe you, like just if anything ever happened, we will believe you first. We will never question your integrity, your character, what happened to you we will maybe ask questions about the situation to know more, to understand it, but we will always support you and believe you if that were, if any sexual abuse happened. Um, I think that if that were to be the, if I knew that, if I had, if I knew that and was reassured that on a consistent basis, just through body language, through the way that they responded to other things, I would have absolutely spoke up and maybe not have carried it for so many years. But as I've shared on this podcast, I did tell my parents later when I was 36 and my dad's first response was, um, you know, how, how do I know you're telling the truth? Like, how do I, how, how come you never told me if this is true? How come you never told me? And it's like, I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Like, you're not believing me. Why would I bring, why would I tell you something that's not true? Yeah. And as parents, sometimes we have to like check ourselves because we think, oh, I have such a great relationship with my child. They tell me everything. I hear this all the time from parents. Oh, my kid tells me everything. I know what's going on, but, but there's probably things that they're not comfortable talking to you about. And you have to keep that door open and let them know that whenever they're ready to talk to you about that, no matter how long it's been, that you're still willing to hear it and just accept your own we're not perfect parents that we're not going to know everything that's happening in our child's life. We're not going to be able to protect them at all times. And I always talk to parents and say, you know, we want to think, and your dad probably felt this way too, that we have done everything possible to protect our child, that there's no way that that could have happened because he was a great dad and he kept you safe and he didn't let you sleep over people's houses. And when could that have happened? Cause the things happen and you know, there's nothing we can do to prevent them sometimes And it's no fault of his because sometimes as parents, we want to like protect ourselves and be like, no, that I, if that happened, that means I'm a bad parent and I don't want to be a bad parent. Right. So it's almost like when I'm talking to parents and we do our start by believing campaign, I'm like, you have to be ready to not have that immediate reaction of there's no way that could have happened because I'm a great parent and I have protected you. Right. You have to be able to let that down and say, okay, what did I miss? 
what, how, how did I miss this? Because I missed something. Right. That's it for our podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Holly. I appreciate you so much. You shared so much great insight and wisdom and I just appreciate it so much. We love you guys and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.